0: I believe that Satan is alive in our community and it is his purpose to stop us from giving praise to God. So when we see things, anytime you try to do something new in life and something happens and it doesn't work out right, what Satan is wanting to say to you is just quit because it was never intended to be that way anyways. But we as Christians... Know the vision that God has for our lives, and and we don't just quit because something didn't happen the way it was supposed to be the first time. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you make it right. We have a wonderful team that works back there on our computers, and they showed us today that we don't quit. We keep pushing until we get it right. So be sure to uh, say hi to them today and thank them for all the gifts that they provide us in our church. Now, you have heard me say, and you guys have said it many times in your life, that if you want something, you have to work for it. Nothing in life is free. If you want to graduate high school, you've got to do the work. You've got to do your homework, take your tests. You've got to study to be able to get that diploma. You want to increase in pay at your job? Well, you have to work a little bit harder. You have to work for it. It's not going to be given to you. We say that all the time, but I'm here today to tell you that there is one thing in life that you do not have to work for, and it's one of those precious gifts that you can ever receive in life, but just always remember you don't have to work for it, and that is the gift of forgiveness. Today's passage of scripture comes from the book of Romans, chapter four, verses one through five, where God says, what then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who does not work, but trust in him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and thank you again for this opportunity that you have given us to gather into this house. And, Father, we just ask again that you send your Spirit in here to to open up our hearts and our minds to receive a word from you. And, Father, I ask that you empty me of any desire or will to speak my own, but, but fill me with your Spirit that everything I speak would be good and edifying. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've always loved this passage of Scripture because it's confusing. It's like a tongue twister when you start looking at some of the ways that it's written. When, see, it already starts off that way. Some of the things in the Bible, it's just hard to read, is it not? What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by words, he has something to boast about, but not before God. You see, today I want to talk to you about justification. We hear words no matter what church or denomination we go to all the time, like justification and sanctification. But today, I want to just look at justification because it is an important part of our call to salvation. Abraham was not a man that was performing good works in order to earn salvation. Truth is, Abraham wasn't even of the, the faith of God at the time that God called him. He was, a, he was a pagan from the land of Ur, and him and his family had moved to Haran. But it was there that God called this pagan into his duty and service to God. He said to Abraham, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your belongings and your, and your family. we talked about this many times, and I want you to, to go out on this journey to the land that, that I'm not going to tell you exactly where it is until you get there. And see, it was the faith that Abraham expressed toward God is the reason that it is known as being a righteous man. It wasn't the work that he, he did. Whether he was good or bad, because we all know that the Abraham, much like all of us, wasn't perfect by any means. But yet our founding fathers, the writers of our gospel, reckoned him as righteousness. And what that means is this that God didn't look upon Abraham and see that he was perfect. But he looked upon Abraham and saw his obedience and his willingness to serve God and saw perfectly righteousness. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible now because there has to be an understanding of why do we even need to be justified to start with You see, in the very beginning, there was Adam and Eve and God created everything and everything was beautiful and everything was wonderful. Scripture says that that man was made in God's image. And we argue sometimes or debate what that actually means. What does it mean to to be in God's image? Does it mean to to have two arms and two legs and a torso? Or does it mean to have a mind, a spirit and a body an intellect? An ability to think and process information. And actually, in all reality, if we look at the scriptures, it doesn't just say that, that God created man in his image. But when he was creating heaven and earth and humanity, he said, let us... Make man in our image. And that says something, something strange, doesn't it? Because when we think about the very beginning of time, we think only God being present, speaking everything into existence. But the scripture does say, Let us make man in our image. And what he's referring to then is, is not just the counsel of the holy, the, the angels that that reside in heaven, but but we believe that that one of the things that, that he was referring to when he made the statement us is that that Christ Jesus was already present during the time of creation. You see, we think of Jesus as being this afterthought sometimes, this little baby that that God created and brought into the world. But, so that he could die on the cross for our sins, and that is true, but but the embodiment and the spirit of Christ was present the entire time. John says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, meaning that, that Christ Jesus was already present. And during that time in the garden, man was made in the very perfect image of God. And they were created so that that God, the God's own words were written upon their hearts and their minds, and they knew how they were supposed to be as a people. And the thing that they cherished more than anything, I believe, is that spiritual connection with God, the oneness and the, the wholeness of humanity and spiritual, living in unison with one. And during that time, God only gave one law for man to follow. Only one. And that law was, no matter what you do in this garden, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of death and life. Because if you do, you will surely die. And lo and behold, just like any one of us, when we are told not to do something, that desire or that thought is going to jump in the back of our minds, and, and we're going to start thinking about not what it is that we want to do, and we're going to start thinking or not be thinking about what it is that we should do. We're going to be thinking more than likely about what it is we shouldn't be doing. It's in our nature. I don't know that it was in Adam and Eve's nature, but, but something happened. And then not only was that law given, but, but the tempter appeared and uh, tempted Eve to eat of that tree, and then after she ate from it, then Adam came by, well, he ate from it too. And that brought into our world death as we know it today. God said that if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Now, if we took God literal, took the word literal right there, then then they should have just fallen over dead right then. But there was a different death that God was speaking of, and it was a spiritual death. It was a a separation between God and humanity, the separation between God and the very ones that he created. That's where death began, because then sin was able to come into our lives, and we began to, to see the world for the reality of things that that exist out there, the evil. And then that evil became part of our lives. That is the very grounds for justification. That is why we need it so bad. Now, if you're like me and you think of the word justification, you're thinking of justice, right? That somebody has broken a law or committed a crime against me as a person, and I want justice, I want that person to pay for it. But in the Scripture, when we talk about being justified, we are talking about something completely different. When we define that word, what we find is a meaning that is more powerful for these circumstances than anything. And that meaning is pardon. Coming from the legal system, watching someone getting pardoned isn't always the easiest thing to do. Because you see, we, we go out into the, the community as police officers and, and we see all the evil that's going on. And, and we make arrests, not because we're harassing people, but because they're, they're breaking the law. They're doing evil. And we put them in handcuffs. We take away their freedoms and their liberties, put them in the back of our patrol car, and then we take them down to the county jail, and that's where we go to see the judge, and and we swear out the warrant. We have to say, Your Honor, this is what we believe the person did. This is the evidence. And, And he signs off the warrant and says, Yes, they can officially now be arrested. They can go into the jail. And when you're waiting for that court date, and you're preparing all your paperwork, and you're doing all the work, and and you're making your list of, of everything that you saw this person do in violation of the law. Two things that you're hoping for. One, you're hoping that the district attorney's office calls up and says they pled because that means you don't have to go to court on your day off. And if that doesn't happen, then the other thing that we want to know Is that when we go to trial and we present our case, when we make our accusations against that person, that the judge, the one who has the authority to take away or to give, will side with us. That's what we want to happen. But let me ask you this, that when we take that same circumstance and apply it to our own spiritual lives, what do we want to happen? Because, you see, there's the accuser who stands before man, and oftentimes we refer to that person as Satan. And the accuser comes before humanity and tells us over and over what it is that we've done wrong, how we've broken the law, how we can't even stand, and how we should be punished for the things that we've done. Kind of puts us in a cell, so to speak. But when parting comes, this is what we find. That our judge stands before us and he says, you know what? You did create this sin. You did Perform this act against my law, you did it, and I won't deny it. Your accuser is accurate in his statements against you, but what I want to do for you is give you a pardon now what a pardon is is this a pardon is when we have committed a crime or a sin or done a wrong and know that we are not deserving of God's reward. When we know that that the punishment waiting for us is what we deserve, that pardon comes in and says whether you deserve it or not, I'm going to set you free. In other words, I'm not going to hold you accountable for those actions that you have done in your lives. You see, Satan wants this for, for people. He wants you to remember every sin that you've ever created because he wants you to not feel accomplished about yourself. Satan wants you to remember everything that, that you've ever done wrong in your life because he don't want you walking closer and closer to the kingdom of God. He wants you to stay right where you're at and he wants you to go to the eternity that he is going to have because pride interjects at this point well we have two things going on in life we have our accuser telling us constantly of everything that we've done and we have our judge god almighty telling you this thing here you can be forgiven All you have to do is listen to what I say and hear my words. Much like Abraham, Abraham was not considered righteous because of his deeds. He was considered righteous because of his obedience. You see, God wants us to be obedient to his word. But before we can even get to that point in our life, we have to first be forgiven. And that's where the pardon comes in. The pardon is the forgiveness that God gives gives us as a people so that we don't have to live in our past, so that we don't have to live with the, the guilt of the sin that, that plagues our lives. Not a, one of, not a single one of us in this room today will more than likely reach perfection in this life. Though we as Methodists teach that, that perfection is attainable, the likelihood is very slim. So it's our duty to to accept that pardon from God, to to be justified in His eyes by accepting His grace. And in doing so, we don't have to worry about that that sin from our past or or even that sin that plagues us today because God's mercy and grace works in our lives to, to set us free not just for eternity, but to set us free to live and the abundance of life that God has for us today. But we have to move in to justification. We have to accept that pardon. And see, I think sometimes it's hard for us to accept that pardon for many reasons. I think sometimes it's hard to accept the the forgiveness of God because maybe we don't want to let go of our past. Maybe somehow, some way we feel a a deep connection to our sin life and we don't want to let go of that and to continue in those things that we have done and and whether you receive forgiveness or not, the the condition of sin still has the same effect for the wages of sin is death and sometimes I think that we we don't want to be pardoned, or we don't want to receive forgiveness because maybe we feel like we don't deserve it. And here is the cold answer to that statement. And it's an answer that, that brings humility and hope to our lives and gives glory to God. And the truth is, we do not deserve that forgiveness. If we have broken a law, if we have sinned, we are deserving of that punishment. But Christ comes into the picture and he says this, that that, I have come here today that you may be living as a free people. I have come to set you free. I have come to bring forgiveness and not condemnation into the world that we live but we will let our sin hold us back from that moment that God wants to set us free. Nothing stops us except us ourselves. He calls, he reaches, and and he prepares the way. And he says to us all, dear child, Come home. You see, when we are convicted of sin, it's not God's way of saying that that I want you to suffer. It's not God's way of saying that I want to punish you. I want to convict you of your sin so that you know and understand the freedom that you get when you experience forgiveness. Forgiveness. Isaiah said that but he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement he the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. You see, Christ paid it all on the cross. When his blood shed And his life ended. He became the sacrificial lamb for the world. And all we have to do is let go and know that you've been forgiven. Don't keep yourself in that cell. Walk out the door into the freedom that God gave you. And the song Lisa just sang, one of my favorite verses is this. And when I think that God, his son, thus bearing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. But on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. But Jesus died willingly and gladly. That we may be pardoned. He died willingly and gladly, knowing that, that when we come into the grace of God, that we will experience a freedom like never before. And it's in that act, not the act of perfection, not the, the act of performing good deeds. that we would be reckoned as righteousness, but we would be considered righteous because of God's grace bestowed upon us. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and thank you for this time that you've given us to come together. And Father, let us take this opportunity to consider our lives as we stand before you today, that we know that, that the freedom that you have offered us in life is standing right before us, that that the the window of opportunity to to walk out of that cell, those things that hold us back, we can let go of and move into a relationship with you that is clean and pure. That we can receive that pardon of all sins past, all sins thought and, and all sins performed and be justified through the blood of Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen.